0: And welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your host, Ian. I'm
1: your host, Brandon.
2: <laughs> it's me. Hi, I'm the disembodied voice. Um, I'm Cat Evans.
0: And I'm your guest,
3: Jeff Stevens.
0: This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to
3: inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure.
2: And our show may not be suitable for young children, but you know what? Neither are our D and D games. <laughs> Damn right.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm really excited for today's show. We have two very special guests. Uh, guests, as you know, many of you have probably met Jeff Stevens before. Um, so welcome, Jeff, and we also now <laughs> are joined by the awesome Cat Evans. Why? Thank you. If you do not know, they are both best-selling authors on the DMs Guild, and I'm super excited to have you guys on, mostly because it gives me a little more uh, intelligent uh, support around me to to chit-chat with. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But we are going to be discussing um, adventure design with you two, so I want to thank you so much for joining us. Likewise, I would like to say thank you to Crit Nation uh, for joining us today here at the Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your rules don't matter.
1: Yeah, that's right. Your roles are like a shitty written adventure.
0: Now you can go. That's about all we needed from you today, boss. You know not in my script. It's because I just added it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I realized it was blank. I'm kidding, dude. We missed you. I was I was in tears when you showed up today. Do you tears? know that? Tears? You want to know something about me showing up?
1: Have you read that? No. One little spark. Brandon's back. My husband said he isn't watching now.
0: <laughs> um, I anyways, I shouldn't fucking be here. <laughs> it's not true. We like to start off every episode by giving away fat loots for our show. Today, we're giving away a modular dungeon tile by Loresmith. There, it's an easy way called uh, what is it called? Arcania. It's an easy way to create your own beautiful digital maps. Arcania lets you make dark, shadowy dungeon map rich with fumes of arcane secrets. Actually, one I've seen people actually print them off and put them on little cardboard or cardstock. And it works really well, too.
2: Kat, who is our winner today? Sadly, not me, because this looks sweet as hell. Our winner today is Nick Wilson XD. <laughs> Congratulations
0: to Nick Wilson XD. This is an awesome uh, little setup. But don't worry, if you didn't win, you can head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Loresmith and get fat loots full of awesome stuff, including digital terrain and some one-page adventures and all that good stuff. So check that out. Now, moving on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment. When I get sources, I usually prefer to get uh, topics from our listeners. Yep. Um, But I've lately been kind of veering off trying some new stuff, and I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on this. There was a Twitter post from Sly Flourish. If you're not following that guy, you need to. Frickin' guy delivers amazing shit. His question to everyone was, what makes your town or villages fantastic? What features do they have that sets them apart and grabs the attention of your players? Kat, how, what, what what kind of features do your towns have that are really just awesome?
2: Like any real town, it's all about the people, right?
0: I can see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've got to
2: have cool, interesting, and extremely weird people. NPCs that, put, that your players will just ditch the entire quest to interact with for three hours. That's secret.
0: <laughs> That definitely yeah. is, can come with its own challenges, but definitely you're, you're, the culture is right. That's it's, it's
2: great for stalling. Okay, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I agree, Jeff. What about you, boss?
3: I'm going to agree with Cat. I mean, I really love NPCs and backgrounds and and stories that they have, and you know, just the basic story behind a behind an NPC can really drive a, an adventure. You know, uh, can start something brand new for you
0: absolutely so and and that really is something that uh comes <laughs> up in a lot of the books of how important the npcs are brandon what do you do to make your villages and towns stand out what makes them fantastic besides being stuck in a time loop being stuck in a time it's <laughs> groundhog day every game i don't know
1: uh, i started adding socketed items and stuff to my games what right. does that
0: have to do with towns and villages sometimes have them sometimes don't i don't know thanks for that delivery what about you
4: ian I kind of go with our guess okay. here. Like, the people definitely is, is what make <laughs> things stand out. And maybe some villages here and there or towns may offer some services. Others, others do not. So. Right.
0: So having special services is a good one. Yeah. Honestly, the thing that yeah. I like to do, and unfortunately, it's not make interesting people. <laughs> special um, services. Oh God, I knew somebody's going <laughs> to say something about that. Um, one thing I try to do in every single one of my towns is I like to put a, a centerpiece. Like um, one of my big inspirations was in the old back to the future. Wow. I'm old saying old. Um, in the old back to the future in the movie, the clock tower is a signature of that, that setting. And so I try to always include something and I always think, well, what is my clock tower in this, in this setting? Whether uh, like I just ran my uh, play test material for almost done with that. That's exciting. Um, for our uh, dark tides of Damodan. And in that there's a a statue of a man riding atop a whale with a spear, and that's in the center of town, and that's kind of that town shtick. So if they don't remember the name, they don't remember the people, they always remember the town with the weird guy standing on top of a, a, a giant uh, whale fishing. So um, that's what I always uh, have considered uh, important, at least in my games. But now that I think about it, NPCs would probably make my stories better. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I like the image.
2: I
3: like the giant or the whale, the guy riding the whale. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, honestly, if... best of both wolves. Just have the guy on the whale statue come to life halfway through the adventure and that is unforgettable design. Perfection. 10 out of 10.
1: When the and cat wins. One of the <laughs> fishermen's hunting M- Moby Dick and gets an epic mount. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, and it, I mean it tied into the lore and everything but yeah, so obviously um there there's a lot of different things that can make your town and villages fantastic obviously I think that they're actually more on top of it if your NBCs are boring it doesn't matter what's in your town nobody's gonna give a shit um so maybe I should put a little more effort into that but <laughs> no no no, we don't all want to write the same thing so yeah you you're doing good oh well thank you see I like that swoops in and like justin don't worry i'll I'll, I'll pat you on the back you're it's okay. <laughs> um yeah I like thought this was a great conversation starter and I thought it was um so it, so you guys both mentioned your NPCs being the the most important um how when when you're designing your NPCs are they do you tie their uniqueness to the 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 area that they're in in any way or like how do you make how do you make the the NPC relatable to like the town itself or the village
2: Ideally you want every location to have a sense of place and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a super fantastic magical sense of place but you want it to feel real and have a character so like the most basic example if it's a mining village I'm going to make sure that you meet lots of different people involved with mines it's not just like this thing that happens off screen right that's that's the most <laughs> tragically obvious thing to say but um not everyone does it it's but I guess the other thing is you want to have you want a setting to have a mood or a feel, and the way that Wizards of the Coast did this in um, Curse of Strat is just perfect and amazing. Yeah. It's all about, like, the little motifs that you throw in to make everything feel consistent.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like whenever I think of Beck with a Damned. Anytime every anyone mentions that to me, the first thing that me pass in my head is
0: pie. Pie. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's a good example. Um... Well, I think that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Um, towns and villages are super important to most settings because venturers are constantly passing through and saving the day. So being able to really spruce up your your even the most mundane, even if you have to just randomly generate a village because your damn players went left instead of right, make sure you give it some uh, an interesting person that's tied to their area that's tied to the area in some way i like the example with the miners that really made it a lot of sense and then uh maybe some sort of unique feature that makes it important whether it's a coal mine or, or some other shtick so uh what
1: galaxy quest you think they're the miners they look young enough miners not miners you idiot
0: <laughs> um that'll do it for our let's talk about blank segment <laughs> In the game of D&D or any RPG, we spend a lot of time visiting other realms. If they want to visit other realms for inspiration, Brandon, how can they do that?
1: Well, no matter what realm you play in, visiting other realms can help inspire your creativity. Like checking out Audible. Audible's a great realm. You can go to Credit Academy's website at creditacademy.com, where we have a link to Audible. You can get a 30-day free trial and a free ebook if you do so. Cancel yes. any time. You can save money and get a free book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> losing sponsorship. I really don't think we should be telling people that they don't, just cancel uh, uh, it. Anyways. And that's what everything's for, people. Right, right. Um, so I'm really excited. <laughs> so moving on to our main topic today, we are going to be discussing uh, adventure design. Now, I'm going to be honest. I have an ulterior motive of having you on. I'm going to poke your both your brains since I'm in the uh, process of finishing up my own adventure. So this is my opportunity to ask people that really know what's going on. Poor Jeff's probably gotten like 20 emails from me in the last year about this. But um, he's always happy to help. No, this is something I think that either as a, a publisher or just a DM, you guys have a lot of insight and a lot of experience in this field. And I think that our, our listeners will really get a, a, a real um, tickle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys will tickle their dice with your your font of knowledge. I I fucking hate that. Oh, (laughs) la, la. (laughs) That being said, for those of you that don't know, Kat, we'll start with you. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the world of Dungeons &
2: Dragons? Yes, good, because I don't think anybody knows who I am. Uh, You should, by the way. (laughs) Yes, you should. (laughs) You should. So I'm a reasonably new... DMs Guild author and I guess other places author as well. I started writing and publishing on the DMs Guild about a year ago and actually one of the first things that I wrote was an NPC for Jeff's Villains and Lares 2 book. So thanks Jeff, this is largely your fault. (laughs) (laughs) Since then I've gone on to write a lot of um, weird horror content, queer content and most recently a gigantic well to produce a gigantic anthology of anti-capitalist liberal adventures which is called eat the rich and is out on
0: dm's guild right now yes there's a link in our show notes pick this yes. shit up you
2: guys it's awesome
0: <laughs> it is it's huge and or just come and Greg. troll
2: our comments section because <laughs> nothing <laughs> makes us laugh more
3: congratulations on getting that released Kat it's a major uh, major publication so that's awesome yeah it's Thanks.
0: huge 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 project there's a lot of people's names in that thing uh, so it's basically uh,
2: everyone right it's been so cool I've got to work with so many awesome people on that one
0: yeah that's definitely something really cool and jeff you you've been thank you for the the follow um jeff you've been on the show several times now we absolutely love having you on because first of all you give me just some horribly genius ideas to torture my players with every time you're on so i always look forward to having you on so
3: i like being on it's always fun being on so uh (laughs) Uh, Thank you for the invite again.
0: Yeah. For those that are just joining us for the first time or may not know who you are, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm an old guy,
3: 48 years old now. (laughs) Getting older every day sucks. But uh, so I started back in the early 80s playing D&D. And then um, after college in 1994, I put the dice away. didn't think I'd play again until my brother uh, started me on a game uh, about three years ago. And I uh, DM'd a session and uh, found that I really liked it and had a bunch of notes, found the DM's guild, said, hey, I can do something like this, put my notes together into an adventure, and ever since then, I've been writing.
4: Got
0: bit by the book. <laughs> yeah,
3: it, it is consuming. I'll tell you that mm-hmm. much. Um, it, it can just take over your life. Yes. Writing.
0: Yeah. I mean, haven't had a break well. on, at work in <laughs> forever because you know what I do when I'm on my break? I open up Google Docs and I start writing. Right. <laughs> And, and really, it's your fault, Jeff. Again, um, so it's not just Cat; it's me too. Because I had never done anything like this till you came on the show, and you're—I'm pretty sure you the quote was, "Well, I can write at least this good." Was you what you said to us? So yeah, you gave I it did a try. <laughs> so I'm like, "Shit, I can, I can." I'm reading because some there of this are stuff. some
3: things on the DMs Guild that are not that great. And so, if, if you're a first-time writer looking picking something up, and you see something like that. You're like, well, I can do that. Yeah, <laughs> don't you know.
0: And that's kind of that's kind of how uh, I felt after I started going through and reading some. I mean, honestly, I just wanted to make myself feel better, so I read stuff that had really low ratings. I'm like, oh, that's really bad. Oh, I can see why they didn't like that one. Then I go to Jeff's, and I'm like,
2: oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. like, oh
2: five stars. I just won't look at that.
3: <laughs> right. But back then, you know, back then, there people weren't using editors. Um, people were self-editing yeah. and just publishing. Uh, now there's been such a push for editing, good cre- uh, good layout design, awesome art, that it's really taken a step up. So it's it's harder to make a big impact on the guild now.
0: Yeah, and and as a guy that stepped in after that 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 push, I have terrible English, so I have to make it fucking rain money to make my shit sound half look good.
1: You should, you should see the <laughs> text we get from him. It's like, hey, we're going to do his show tonight. Make sure you do the hang a that. Yeah. That's not even an exaggeration. Hey, what was that last word? hey hanging
0: away Anyway. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um everyone has that that memorable moment um when it comes to RPGs and gaming as in general. Cat, can you tell us your most memorable D&D moment?
2: Yes. So Okay, I've been playing dun, since dun, dun. 97, so I've probably forgotten like 90% of the good things that happened to me, and most of what I remember are the ignominious character deaths. But the one good, happy thing that stands out is when I got my players to <laughs> trap themselves in a time loop and make it entirely their fault that their home city <laughs> was destroyed by a dragon
0: 500
2: years in the past.
0: <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! What did they do
2: to ca- get st- stick their own... S- screw themselves! well they could have just fought the dragon right but nobody wants to fight the dragon that sounds dangerous so they made this deal with it that it would okay we were already in a weird back to the future time loop so they were like a thousand years behind where they should have been because this is a thing you can do <laughs> and sometimes it's a DM you panic and then you just start a separate timeline anyway we've all been there um, rather, than, rather than fight the young dragon that they found they decided to like make a deal with it that it would leave the city alone for 500 years so it's coming back when it's an ancient dragon to wreck their shit
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you really should just you know fire in the sword
0: that's awesome thank you so Sounds much for sharing um i'm not thinking about that one clip from are we the bad guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> jeff you've told us about your most memorable moment do you have a more recent memory that really jumps out at you
3: that changes every gaming session you know I mean, <laughs> 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 um it's awesome that that's the best part of and D is all the fun stuff that happens with the players and the characters and just the the interaction uh but probably my most recent or not my most recent but my most loved recent one would be um my daughter. Uh and my my brother, and my two nephews were all playing DD, and I was running running it for them. My daughter was playing a, a Tabaxi thief. And so she went up and she clawed somebody and missed or did a point of damage or something like that. And then later my brother shoots out like a scorching ray and nails him. And my daughter looks at her hands, she goes, I can do that? Thinking that her claws did that. You know? <laughs> But, but that was in character, you know. Her tobacco <laughs> thing was, was just thinking, my hands are awesome. You know, and so just just her rolling into that character was awesome.
0: It was oh, just, man. I you could say she really burned it up there. Yes, Love she that. did. Yep. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Mine's uh, changed recently, too. Oh, yeah?
1: Yeah. What I made you guys kill your bird friend?
0: Yeah. Oh, my God, you're a dick. We talked about that twice after, after that. <laughs>
4: oh, Bastard. Yeah.
0: He he, tri- oh, so could you? Yeah. So we raided this area controlled by like Xanathar's little minions, and we kept one. <laughs> <laughs> it happened <laughs> to be a Kenku. And then he made it. We were our butler. Yeah, you, Yeah, he was our butler, wasn't pretty,
1: it? Pretty much, yeah.
0: And then he ended up like having it like What was it a, a, taken over by a demon or something was cha- something uh, changed? what no, changed it? No, uh, no, no, He was blackmailed. Oh, oh he, that's right. He
1: was he was blackmailed by Xanathar. And uh, you guys were to go rescue him because you had a hostage note or whatever. He's so like, if you ever want to see your bird friend alive past uh, midnight, you better come come get him. And you're like, well, fuck, we should go get him. <laughs> and then we had to fight him. It was sad. And he went out and Xanathar wow. used a uh, true polymorph to turn him into a black dragon and sealed off all the exits and I made them fight him.
0: Yeah, it was horrible. He was a real dick move. I'm pretty sure that when I... Uh... And he only fought... And our friend only fought us because
4: Xanathar told him, if you don't tr- fight and try to kill them, we'll kill them and all their
0: families. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty horrible. I'm pretty sure two of us nearly <laughs> cried after that. We're just like, I, don't I, I know Austin awesome he was he was talking hard <laughs> like, things after. Hey,
2: you're still talking about it. I'm gonna uh, fucking stab Brandon when I see him.
1: <laughs> I, I think what they liked most was except for Justin, because I couldn't find Malachite, uh I had them dual box their old uh characters from uh, Storm King's Thunder. Oh
0: yeah. He brought in our our uh, the big the big guns. That was pretty cool. Anyways, uh we got into a tangent there. Our yeah, show yeah. does that. <laughs> A lot, way too much, actually. Um. So that being said, now why everyone is here, we're here to talk about adventure design. So creating an adventure is is a lot of work. So how do you, how do you even get started? Where do where do we start in designing an adventure? What is what is your guys' process? It's the beginning.
3: Oh motherfucker, well, dude. Let me just say that I'm really excited to hear this because I'm sure Cat and I. Have- totally different ways of designing adventures. Um, She's a great uh, designer, in my opinion. Um, Always love what she's turned into me and what she's created. So I'm really interested to hear how she does this.
2: Wow, no pressure. Well, uh, why don't
0: we start with Kat then?
2: (laughs) Okay. So there's what I do, and then there's what you should do. And at this point, I would really like to plug Ashley Warren's um, RPG Workshop course because Absolutely. she puts a massive amount of focus on how to get started with designing your adventure and all of the different places you can look for inspiration from, um, Pinterest mood boards and Spotify playlists and lots and lots of things that country up different moods and start getting like this whole image of your adventure in your head, not just like a linear narrative that you're making. Like so... audible. <laughs> <laughs> no, not like audible. Say, say <laughs> a, word from, a word from your sponsors. <laughs> kind of. Um, that's what you should do. That's, Oh my God. not what i do what i have is a massive overstuffed notebook with pages torn out and like 10 colors of ink in it in which i write down random thoughts that i've had things i'd like to write an adventure about and um then i will pluck one of them out and then from there it kind of turns into an assortment of cool images like i want to have a fight on top of a clock tower in the middle of a storm and 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 i, I want to have like somebody's weapon turn into a dragon in either arm or not that <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, but with um, the leg. But essentially, it goes from like one core idea to a set of cool images to string together, and then a more organized like bullet point outline where you work out how you're actually going to network all of this stuff together. So you you're an image person too. I'm very much an image person
3: too. Yeah. yeah. One of the first things I'll do is uh, commission the cover before I even start an adventure, just because that helps me build. I think that's a good idea. Um, Seeing that image sitting there and thinking that this is what I want to create and how do I do it?
4: And you've had some pretty awesome <clears> covers <throat> too. Hell oh, yeah!
3: That yeah, that shit's last badass. last one
4: was it?
1: Jack's Funhouse, Happy Jacks, Happy, oh. Happy Jack. I saw that cover one. Ha! Oh. <laughs>
0: did <laughs> you? I don't know if Jeff listened to. It. Did you listen? Get a chance to listen to a one shot onslaught run that? I did. Yeah, Were you were the uh, symbiote, weren't you, or <laughs> yeah. something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: We, we listened to it on yeah. the way down to Kate
3: You were you were tougher than Happy Jack. That wasn't even cool.
0: <laughs> because <laughs> he's fucking scarier than Jack. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that adventure. You did such a okay. good job on it.
3: Side note. I got I to gotta help uh, uh, give kudos to Rimley far on that. He uh, did a lot of the writing in there, too. and so um, He also helped me with Tasha's Kiss. So yep. uh, we are planning a third one, which uh, brings Annalise, which is Happy Jack's girlfriend, uh, into the third adventure.
4: In my biased opinion, I still think the best cover, though, has to go to Encounters of the Savage Sea. Is that the one with the turtle? Yes. Oh, yep. that was awesome. Uh, that it was, was nice. a damn
1: fine one. So a yes, cat. Hey, sure. What? I, I got a question. Were you one mm-hmm. of those uh, schoolgirls who just had, like, books and books filled with fanfiction?
2: Uh, no, I had the internet. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I might have done a little bit awesome. dabbling with Harry Potter fan fiction here and there. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny it. And <laughs> there's definitely not a live journal that I would prefer nobody ever looked at. Yeah. That, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so, uh, moving on. So,
2: we've got really
0: two different uh, ways of this approach. You, uh, you have the very much, let me see this, I'm going to write down notes, and the other one is, let me get the big art piece and okay what can i do with this now that i've got it right is that pretty much the the, the gist of it kind
3: of um you know I'll, I'll think of the art piece the cover image and the title uh mm-hmm. the title is really driving for me also and then then i'll start to develop the adventure um i just I'm more of a storyteller, I think. Uh, I don't do much of an outline. I may just say, you know, this is what I want to happen in the adventure, but I'm not doing bullet points and, you know, uh, set one, two and three. I just, I start writing and I, and I let it take it where, where I want it to or where it takes me. Um, so I don't always have the entire adventure completed in my head or on paper, uh, when I start writing. I just kind of let it, let it flow. Um, I just, I'm not a big outline person.
0: And I, I feel like I'm right along that line. I'm a bullet point person, but when I start an adventure, <laughs> yeah. I always go to uh, the monsters and then I read the lore behind the monsters. Um, I find that I get the, uh, by tying the, the, reading the lore and tying my adventure directly to it, I get some weird ass shit going on in my encounters because I think of things outside the norm, like uh, the, like I've, uh, I've talked about on the show, uh, I've been writing my own first adventure and it's uh, basically built all around the obelisk mucus that it does that makes people breathe underwater only so you know they're using it to like poison people to force them to get underwater and everything and it's all because I read that I was like oh my god that sounds fucking awesome I'm gonna do that
3: Uh, yeah the lore (laughs) behind monsters is excellent inspiration for adventure writing
0: yeah absolutely I mean I feel like that's isn't that uh, a lot of the some of the best adventures I've played have really been lore heavy like uh, Raven's Loft is a great example that's all about Strahd and the vampire shtick you know (laughs) not to be stuck (laughs) or stabbed
3: (laughs) right right
0: um so for people that don't have that are just getting into it for the first time that may not have a developed process is there some sort of like general template or best practices i know we mentioned ashley warren which i believe correct me if i'm mistaken is a she is a guild adept correct she is is. indeed i've seen her name in quite a few few things so she offers a class that teaches people to actually go through the process of adventure writing that's pretty cool.
2: True. And as well as teaching the class, she also helps people to get their first adventure on the DMs Guild. So there's a new batch just out this week oh, nice. from people who completed this over kind of November Thanksgiving time.
0: That's awesome. Yeah,
2: And nice. I
3: just signed one of those writers to write an underdog encounter for me. So.
0: Oh, man, that's cool. By the way, I, I would just like to thank uh, you, Jeff, for hiring uh, us nobodies and giving us a chance. I appreciate that. I think I think hiring
3: multiple people for some of my products is better than me writing all the same thing. And you just you hear different voices. Oh, that's um, so, you know, that, that's what I want to do. I don't want to write all the adventures and would just be my voice. There's people out there with great ideas that, you know, if they just if they just have a one time try at this or a couple times and they they get something in one of my larger anthologies. that's seen by a lot of people. That's great. Um, and their voice is shared with other people.
2: And you're totally right, it's better for the customer as well. Like yeah. nobody wants thirty adventures that are the same perspective on a bunch of different scenarios, thirty completely different ideas with different voices. It's just a lot cooler.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. You always go with the cliche chess piece. What? Cliche chess pieces. It's that's where uh, you got the, uh, the the guy at the bottom, then it keeps going up to the top, to top to top to the roof, to the big guy. I was always thinking about making a story based on that, saying, uh, how do you get to this this guy at the bottom, then how does uh, he tie into the next one, and how does he tie the next one, and he keeps going?
0: Like a hierarchy for your adventure? Yeah. So you start with like the little minions that the players run into, and then they fight the little mini-boss who's working for this other guy who's tied to the big boss?
1: Uh, my initial thought is actually thinking of the big final fight and how badass it could be and what they need to do to get there.
0: Oh, wow. So you're already at the... I see. At, okay, this is the big bad guy, and like, this is how I'm going to tie him to all this other stuff going on. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so you start
0: you work backwards.
1: Yeah, starting from uh-huh. the top of the tree. and That totally fits your to personality,
0: work. working backwards. I like that. Yeah, eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so, guys, uh, what is the most important aspect of writing an adventure that should get the absolute most focus?
3: For me, it's story. And... Um, that and player interaction. I want I want the players to be involved in the story um, and the adventure. I don't want it to just be combat after combat after combat. You know, I want them to have some tie to what's going on in the, in the adventure and some feeling of accomplishment once they're done.
1: I'll say, too much combat can really throw it off.
3: Speak for yourself. Yeah. I was gonna yeah, say, yeah, come from the, the guy that makes the battle royal <laughs> Dang it depends I, I mean you don't want to write every adventure the same so I may have some adventures that are going to be a lot of combat some that are going to be only role play um, because I, don't, I think that's important to kind of make it not I don't, I don't like following a formula for every adventure um, I want something to be a little bit different every time and you know I don't want somebody to come in and say hey so this is Jeff Stevens adventure okay we're going to have the hook we're going to have scene one we're going to have scene two a fight we're going to have scene three some kind of interaction scene four we're going to get uh, travel a little bit to the main to the big guy then we're gonna have a main fight. You know, I right. don't want it to be like that. You don't um, want you...
2: people to be like, oh he's really changed it up this adventure. Now the combat's the third scene, not the second.
3: Right. <laughs> <laughs> you just want the story to flow to make sense.
0: What about you, Kat? It's
2: gotta be your antagonist. It always, always, always comes back to the people in your adventure, right? Mm-hmm. And if you've given your villain a good solid motivation and you know exactly what they're doing, then you can compensate for any shit the players pull to go off the rails. <laughs> Like you always know how to get back on track if you know what your villain is doing. That's that's.
0: (laughs) It's funny you mention that because one of my uh, favorite things to do is to actually use some of the magic and spells in the game, even if my my big bad can't. But one of my favorites is like scrying spells that are always poking around to what the adventurers are doing. So regardless of which direction they take, the bastard knows what's going on all the
2: time. (laughs) See, I like letting my players. (laughs) divert the villain's plans a couple of times but you know as long as i know what his fourth fifth and sixth backup plans are also, <laughs> i'm good we're still on track
4: that made me think of like the meme of like a fighter in a group starting as a clown mm-hmm. and, they were, and all the partners were like why are you dressing up, like, like a clown just in case in case the uh our enemy keeps trying to just describe me oh come on that's stupid but then it flips like the villain's lair a clown. Let's cause the balls be broken.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm dressed like a
1: clown because they're gonna be looking for army guys.
0: <laughs> um. So, Ellen uh, Tucker is in the chat right now, and he says he wants to know oh, hi, who Cat so and Jeff's favorite collaborator is on the guild and why oh, it's Ellen Tucker.
2: the list <laughs>
0: <Alan? laughs> out. <laughs> Just Jk. Lol.
3: okay he said jk okay all right
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's he's clearly just joking around he's joshing you so uh kind of touching on the the aspects of writing your adventures you know how do you how do you balance the the combat the role play and the exploration to appeal to all types of players or do you go in with your adventure design saying okay I want this one to be more focused on role play or is it something that just comes out as um as you're developing you're like oh man there's definitely should be a combat here is that something you kind of decided in advance kind of how do you how do you you balance that uh, Kat? cat
2: So I well the simple answer is I don't. If I'm going to write an investigative adventure, it's going to be mostly role playing and skill checks, right? There probably isn't going to be that much combat. And I think that's okay, because like Jeff said, you don't want every adventure to be the exact same experience. Right, right. You want to give people like a different feeling when they play through. But the other really great thing that I've picked up from Adventurers League, for some crazy reason, they let me write an Adventurers League module this year. <laughs> um the, the other good thing that I, Thank you nobody's complained about it yet so you know it must be sure. good mm-hmm. uh, my other favorite <laughs> thing is the advice they give for playing the pillars so you can tackle an encounter just about any way again as long as you know the motivations of everyone involved right mm-hmm. you know what's going to make it end up in combat you know what's going to mm-hmm. um, make it resolvable through role play so it's just you don't write a, i don't write a combat encounter i write an encounter that can be that is most likely to be solved with combat but can be addressed with stealth that can be addressed through role playing depending on what players do
0: Fancy? What about you, Jeff?
2: What's the question?
3: Oh, well, how do I balance? I'm sorry, I was, I was too involved. I was listening to Cat's Cat's um, answer, and I was really because um, okay. I've done the same thing. I've written some CCCs for, for Adventures League, and uh-huh. yeah, they they build the pillars of play in there. Um, you know, uh, this is what to do with social interaction or, or exploration or, or combat, and uh, that's really cool. Um, and I've used it a few times too. But as far as balance. Um, same thing you know i don't look for any sort of balance i just kind of tell the story and if something happens to be a social interaction or a combat um then i just write it
0: okay of course
3: it, of course it, the players can do whatever they want with it the dm can run with it um uh, basically because again they just like kat had mentioned they know the backstory and, and why the the big bad doing what they're doing um so you can just kind of roll with it as the dm and make your own choices and and changes as the game rolls
4: Right. And uh, when you design an adventure, how do you best do scaling? Do you do playtesting or do you use some sort of encounter builder?
3: I'll go first. I'll, I do some playtesting. Uh, I also look at the encounter builders, uh, the Rollo's Guide to Monsters. No, no, no. no. Uh, which one was it? Xanathar's? Xanathar's Guide? Xanathar.
0: Yeah, the, yeah.
3: It's, got the, it's got the table in it. Um, that's been really helpful, too. But again, the DM really has to take a look at, their char- at the characters in the game. Because, you know, it may say this is a CR5 creature, but if your players have three magic items each, <laughs> that scaling way, is way off. So, mm-hmm. you know, you may have to make some adjustments on the fly. So, uh, it, basically, when I write, I'm scaling for your basic character with no magic items.
0: And, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but isn't the whole everything designed around the idea that there's no magical items. I, th- I thought I read that somewhere, but I don't not, I could have sworn that adventures were designed with no, the players not needing any magical items. Is that accurate? I believe that's accurate.
2: Yes. For I the think monsters. that's yes. true for the published ones. Yes. Yeah. And for how they set CRs.
0: So, yeah, so that would, so, cause one of the things I see people constantly complaining about is the CR is way off, but I'm thinking, <laughs> always thinking, well, if you give them three magic items, you're going to immediately, this thing that's supposed to be resistant at level four isn't going to be if you have a magic item, so your player's essentially doing double damage, which is going to mess up the CR too. <laughs> I don't think they balance oh.
3: for the bash spell either. God
4: damn
0: it. <laughs> right, oh, no, no, banish, no, no, banish
2: sucks. Banish um, You know, another thing is. is uh, Let's do comp- be- everyone's best friend. Except when they do. Party have
3: composition it. too is a big thing. If you've got three magic users throwing fireballs around, then that yeah. can really hurt too.
0: If. Well, see, that's when you got to make sure that you include, like, okay, where are you casting this, and exactly how big is the room? Because right. all three of you bastards, blow, they're blowing this shit up. Somebody's cool.
3: gonna get hit. Okay, get this. So we, we played a Christmas game here um, Friday night, and the our, uh, our our mage was throwing fireballs, and he would he always tar- gets us in the radius. Okay. And so the DM made a rule that for every friendly that's in the radius, he gets an extra damage dice to the enemy. Okay. So if four of us are in the radius, he gets four more D6s to roll against the enemy's damage, oh. against the, the big bad. So he's encouraged so- to blow you guys off? <laughs>
2: Oh, <laughs> your DM is mean. Isn't he?
3: And that's so he savage. took advantage of that. He's like, oh, what else am I going to do? Fireball is my best spell. So
2: <laughs> I, was, I
3: was smoldering Everyone quite a
0: bit. Everyone in the line so I can lightning bolt you all. Mm-hmm. That... Hey, Jeff, that's definitely a savage encounter, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> wow. oh, my
0: God. Yeah, that was bad. Bad day. Um, yeah, There's that's a good time, though. It sounds pretty harsh. Like, can you guys at least get access to, like, fire-resistant cloaks or something? <laughs> <laughs> something. We're gonna uh,
3: leave him at the. We're gonna leave him at the bar the next time we go somewhere. Uh, well, at least you're <laughs> leave him stranded. stranded. Yeah.
1: Now, how much of the player character's features are weighed when building an adventure? For example, uh, something like flight, mind control, magic, or even character banishment.
2: <laughs> 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 fucking banishment. Ain't that yeah, banishment. <laughs> oh my if God. you
1: banish someone on an airship and it's moving, will they come back with no airship? Yes. Yes. Oh, that sucks.
0: Well, he did it to my. Okay. The, they were on Dragonback fighting. Oh, that's, that's right. And then he banished the dragon, so the fucker fell to his death. Oh, I'm so hey, works. So the it? first. <laughs> let me th-
3: let me just give a little example of this. So the first adventure I wrote for um, uh, AL for a convention was. Um, included a uh, purple worm large or, uh, yeah a large purple worm that came through and the play test they banished it. I'm like what the hell <laughs> And so I went ahead and wrote it because I didn't think it was going to be you know uh, banished that many times. So in the next one of the next adventures I, I wrote uh, I put a clause in there that if if this um, creature is leaves the leaves this plane that another one animates to take its place. So it was like in this hall of statues. So screw Banishment, I just put another one
2: up. Oh, but that's... Oh, that's evil, though. Because then they come back. What if it comes back from the Banishment? Like, and do exactly. Full health. Yeah, another another are fighting too. I love that. I'm, I'm fighting guess, a hydro.
4: I'm guessing you dealt with one of the Banish a few times. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Thank you, by the way. good <laughs> well, point. deal with this uh, asshole
3: no. over here. Banish a creature. Nope. What about... But as far as balancing an adventure, you know. Or that's up to the DM because we can't write knowing that you're going to have mind control magic or flight or uh, even your character's face. Um, you know, we can take into account some of that, but there's no way that we can account for everything. That's going to be at your table when you're playing the game.
4: That's
2: that. I that's fine. The five. other thing is sometimes it's, sometimes it's nice for a player character to just get a quick win.
3: Yeah, I would agree.
2: Yep. Like never... You might have five or six really meaningful challenges in your adventure. And if they snap their fingers and get past one of them, good for them. They feel like heroes. Or you'd never know when somebody pulls out a clipboard.
0: Yeah, fucker. <laughs> they don't get the reference. He bypassed an entire encounter by a surprise inspection at a fucking forge.
2: Bastard. Amazing. Yeah, it was it was
0: clever. But then when it didn't work, he just banished the next bastard. I'm like, fuck <laughs> Though, I did he did come back when they were in the middle of another encounter. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> bitches. <laughs> I actually got really
1: paranoid during your dragon fight, because I forgot that uh uh, Matt's uh, azure crow Oh had counter Spell.
0: I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun battle." They were up on they were on airships fighting a dragon. Uh, I went to There was two airships battling, and another dragon a dragon uh, in the bat- melee as well. It's pretty great. Uh, yep. that was fun. That's uh, anyway, a lot. Yeah, it was. Well, and, cool. and I could do that because I normally do theater of the mind. That's my preferred play style. But this asshole over here prefers little gridded combat shit. So I was like, okay, I haven't given him a lot of that. So for the end combat, I'm like, all right, I printed out big giant like three foot airship sheets and I got two of them on the desk and I did the whole as tactical as I could make it. And honestly, I think it made my, I was able to do more complex stuff because of that.
3: (sighs) Yeah. Minis minis could be a lot of fun.
0: That was fun. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so, um, so it sounds like uh, while you, during your, your creation of your adventures, it's important to consider some potential, features but it doesn't really weigh too much on the design factor right um, yeah
2: i think even though we talked about having like a role play heavy adventure or an investigative adventure within that you still have different challenges yeah. and as long as the challenges as long as there are kind of different ways of overriding each challenge then it's fine the players probably aren't going to stumble over everything right Right. just something
0: so when writing an adventure is there an ideal link that an adventure should be um maybe uh not in an over, all, overall uh, arcing campaign format, but like a start, a middle, and a rewarding end uh, before it starts to kind of go off rails. Because I noticed sometimes, uh, and it hasn't happened since I went to 5th edition, but in 4th edition, I would have these really long encounters planned or adventures planned. And I feel like we my players would like derail so many different directions that I wasn't even on the original story <laughs> anymore it just kind of went a different direction so when you're writing a, a uh, an adventure for like dm's guild or for publishing um is there a, is there an ideal length for something like that
2: there's not an ideal length but huh, this is someone who's probably never been quoted on your show before coco chanel when getting dressed and accessorized to go out had this of look in the mirror and then take one thing off and the same thing kind of applies to adventure design look at what you've got then strip it back. You need something that's about 30% as complicated as you as you start out with. Hmm. Or at least I find. Because yep. something that looks like a moderately complicated story with a couple of twists and turns on paper is a 10-session epic with 15 bl- branching plot directions when the players yep. get to it.
4: Yes. yes. You know, that actually reminds me of... Uh, have you guys seen the movie Upgrade? No. 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 Unfortunately, nobody has. <laughs>
2: but why would you <laughs> ask the question? Yeah, yeah. because well one day someone's gonna say yes
4: right uh, no but,
2: well, the, well the producer i'll watch right after this, I'll,
4: I'll watch it right after the interview fair enough but, but basically it's a cyberpunk movie and the <laughs> producer in you know he basically went to blue house productions and they gave him basically full control over the entire movie itself as long as he stayed within budget and was- it's gone yeah, right. <clears throat> okay and <laughs> They gave him a budget of $5 million, which, in the Hollywood money, is not very much to make a movie oh, at man. all.
0: The fucking yeah. Tony Stark farts for $5 million.
4: <laughs> but he said <laughs> that budget made him go back to the story he wrote. He's like, I have to refine this now. Oh, I don't need this action scene anymore. <laughs> oh, I'll simplify this technological concept. And it forced him to scale back, made him go down to the base components to see what works. So that's what that made me think of.
0: Was it a good movie? Yes, it was. Oh, well, there you have it. Yeah. Edges and everything, I guess. What What do you think, uh, Jeff? I'll watch it. I'll check it out. No, it, yeah. a question. <laughs> about the question. Do you Do you agree or? That was so oh,
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry.
0: That's okay.
3: <laughs> it's It's um, fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're doing a one shot, then it has to be a, you know pretty straightforward um there can't be a whole lot of opportunity for running off the rails um i do write railroad adventures i mean basically you have to do this and this and this to, to get it but I, that i think that's the definition of a one-shot adventure mm-hmm. um now some of my other adventures are a little more open or at the ending at, um, i give uh, suggestions on how you can expand on this but uh you know for a one-shot adventure you pretty well have to make it pretty simple
0: um and 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 honestly I kind of a, agree with that and I wouldn't have thought that before but now that I started I once again I have no experience like professionally publishing an adventure I'm just I almost done with the first one I've done and it is way more complex than it was in my head <laughs> like it's like it's too much um yeah. so I may take uh advice from who was it Coco Coco what
4: Coco Chanel Coco Chanel, Coco
0: Chanel in the D&D world I and i may trim down my adventure a smidge because as i was reading i was running it uh, for my my players for the final playtest i'm just like man there's a lot of shit in here <laughs> i mean but i see i i'm the type of player though and i got dm by extension is i like the long-winded reads um, that are very vibrant and descriptive and I can only do that when I write it out, so I really kind of went overboard. Um, but I really enjoy that, and hopefully they're not so long that it, the players' eyes glaze over. But you know.
3: <laughs> so let's let's talk about box texts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, "Damn it, Justin!" Okay. That, that is one of the big thing, uh, one of the big talking points in the industry right now is how much box to, text to include. Uh, my personal opinion opinion is write whatever you want. Um, it could be too much, maybe for some people, but not enough for others. Uh, if you want to keep it out of two sentences, great. If you want to make it four sentences, great. If you want to write two paragraphs, fine. As long as it's part of the story um, and it's, it's giving information that the players can use, I think that's fine. You don't even have to use box text. I mean, I've written some things that um, just the summary underneath this section is enough for the DM to just read back to the players or, or summarize and uh, give that to the players. I just think it's um, you do whatever you want. Just do what makes you happy. Uh, it's going to make other people's happy or not happy. Some people want the box text. And if you're not writing box text, you're not going to appeal them. So I just think there's a, 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 a what I want to say, a lot of ways you can go with box text and there's no perfect way to do it.
2: You've got to think about what your box text is for, right? Cause if mm-hmm. you read out, <laughs> I just wrote a 350 word chunk box text for something that I released last week. It's a, big villainous monologue, which I rarely indulge in, but man, it was fun to write. But, <laughs> is he monologuing? What? <laughs> <laughs> but like, what is it for, right? Is it for the DM to read out to the players until their eyes glaze over, or is it to help your DM get an image of the dungeon in their mind so that they can then convey it?
3: I think it's both things there, Cat. I think it's for the DM to get the image, and that same image is going to be portrayed to the the, the players and the characters as they're hearing it. You know, um, I've read your writing. I know you're a great writer, so I can't. I can imagine that you're going to instill some great images in these pe- in the players and the DMs while they're reading this to them. Yeah.
4: Uh, I'll, I'll admit, box tests can be pretty fun. In fact, I remember when you asked us to fill some box tests for one of your upcoming. Oh <laughs> my
0: God! Yes, for Fantastic Train, which we'll talk about shortly.
4: And basically, he went, Justin asked us to write down box text to, like, uh, he, he put in traps, fantastic terrain and all that, and to basically give, like, adventure accounts of them experiencing it. But for one, I think it's like a alchemist lab, I decided to go a completely different direction, and I wrote in a Help Wanted to add it in a newspaper. <laughs> I
0: remember that? I was reading that. That's funny.
4: It's so, so, so like Wanted, a lab assistant who is not afraid to work with hazard, hazardous Chemicals and creatures, it and understands that mixed does not mean pour
0: into a jar and shake. <laughs> <laughs> I assume he went boom. Um, so uh, Alan Tucker actually uh, says in chat box text is for establishing a mood. Let the players ask questions about the details that they want to know. Ooh nice. Um, yes, and I yes. agree with it. Now, and I, I I think I read this somewhere, or I just made it up in my head. I could have swore that I read something where. People were struggling over box text because some people would include critical information into it as opposed to just flavor, and some DMs can get confused by that. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, there was definitely some conversation like that on Twitter this week because I remember shouting my opinions into the void about it. I missed that.
0: <laughs> I don't think I saw
3: that.
2: I'm basically saying what Alan said, right? It's it's to set the mood, it's to yeah. conjure up a feel, and kind of give you some sensory impressions. And, and yeah, if, and I, if you I agree read out all that. of these details of the room is 30 foot long by 20 foot wide, yeah. as formed as your players will play, also, yeah. Which I over. I did that when
3: I was first starting out, you know, not realizing mm-hmm. what I was doing, and then you know you learn as you go.
1: Yeah, uh, I've had that a few times when I was doing the campaign with you guys. Looking at the box they're like Are they supposed to know this, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Um. Yeah. So uh, as, we're, as we're building out our, uh, our adventure here, there's a lot of different pacing that happens. And depending on the writer the, and the format, the pacing is different. Is there a significant um, difference when designing an adventure between uh, one that's heavily combat versus roleplay versus exploration? I mean, I, I personally would think pacing and combat would be faster because you basically just have, okay, you enter a room, there's a battle. Move down right. the hall, there's another one. And so to me, I, that's just my my thoughts on it, is that combat would tend to be, while in real world, pacing obviously is slow as fuck because everyone takes an hour to learn what their level two characters can only do, and it's only one goddamn thing.
2: Sorry if yes. I'm a little angry about that.
0: <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, oh, you level one and two, what could you possibly have to spend 10 minutes doing?
2: It's okay, anyway. we've all let the new player play a wizard. It's fine. <laughs> oh my
0: God. She knew it.
2: I don't even play a wizard. Oh no, my god. No, I can't make that many choices in one combat oh, well, turn.
3: You take uh, forty-four it. damage.
2: It's easy. Fuck. Yeah. Um, but I think combat heavy adventures are actually a really interesting challenge because, like you said, in character it's super fast paced, right? And it's mm-hmm. super fast flowing. Like maybe a scene takes two minutes of your character's lives, but out of character it's an hour and a half. Oh, that so must be nice. To, you have to really put a lot of effort into keeping the excitement up and keeping the momentum up for your players Mm -hmm. when you're running a combat adventure so i mean obviously you can have like you can have a timer counting down that can really help or having kind of major changes going on dividing the adventure into different phases can really help because you just need to make sure you've got a a sense of momentum and be a break point so it's not constantly like a drudge of dice rolling all the way through to the end
0: Right,
4: right. RPGs where a three-second combat takes an hour and a half, and the hour and a half three yeah. takes thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's the whole thing. You never know what your what your players are going to do, what your characters are going to do. That that one hour combat scene may take fifteen minutes. The, the five minute role play scene could take three hours. You know, shopping in a in a in a store looking for magic <laughs> items or something.
0: <laughs> there was one time. Where my players spent, oh god, at least forty minutes at shopping till finally I said, "They don't fucking have anything. Move on." Because I was getting so <laughs> frustrated. I was like, "If there was something important, I would have told you." You rolled. He's like, "But I rolled low." I'm like, "Oh my god, just leave." So um, I used to be <laughs> <Just> a very
2: capitalist kid, dude.
0: I used to not quite have patience like I do today. But um... that's not high bar. <laughs> I want to go shopping. Ooh. No god. <laughs> um so that isn't that's 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 a tricky part of uh adventure building then is trying to really write in that that pacing um from the sounds of it so through all this 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 adventure design which you guys have done a plethora of do you have like is there special tools uh that can help i'm
3: gonna i'm gonna plug D and D beyond um, okay just because it's so easy to get on. You know, I have all the books. I downloaded them all just because I'm a writer. Um, and, uh, it just go in there and search for ancient black dragon and you've got all the stats right there in front of you. And it's just so easy to to navigate and not have to go through all the books, um, to have the wording right there for everything that's proper WOTC wording, wording, whenever you're doing, um, Uh, special feats or anything for for the creatures the cr the hit points and everything it's just it's so helpful um that's a big tool and i know you know kat had mentioned um the uh writers work rpg writers workshop and that's another big tool that if you've got the i think it was like 35 bucks this year um for the last one 30 dollars something like that
2: oh that's really terrible There's usually a free track as well where you don't get quite so many resources, but you still get the lectures and stuff.
3: Yeah, if you're interested in writing, get in there and join that and uh, go through that course. How often does that take place? Uh, I think she did it twice this year. Is that right, Kat?
2: Yeah, there's usually a spring and a fall semester, so it'll be like March or April.
0: Okay. I'll have to look into that.
3: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: Is it Um, only adventure design, or do, do they cover other things like building character options or... Building, you know, some sort of like setting or sit, you know what I mean, or is it just like adventure design?
2: It's always been adventure design so far, but I think you could easily broaden it out to things like setting design. Something that's heavily mechanical, like character options, it probably isn't perfect for. Right. But hey, maybe someone else out there wants to make a mechanics design or school. or Ashley just I w- builds I would pay on for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also, this episode is not brought to you by D and D Beyond, but D and D Beyond, sorry. if you're listening cobalt press doesn't renew their sponsorship for a few more months so we've got an opportunity for you head on over to critacademy.com reach out to us you're laughing at tater what justin you take a proper grammar course first oh fuck you dude (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's it's bad when i know my own shortcomings english 101 (laughs) i need english like one through 101 uh i only speak bad in bad english so Uh, anyways what are some of the the biggest challenges that uh Come into writing an adventure, and and really, by extension, how do you overcome those challenges? Cat, would you like to start? Okay, I'll take that as a
2: no. I mean, that's a no. That is a challenge. I'm I'm perfection incarnate.
3: I was gonna say, uh, yeah, Cat's pretty well the perfectionist. Words just flow out of her. Oh. It's like she, she puts her her, her uh, finger on the paper and just happens. You know?
0: <laughs> Got a beer in like one right hand, TV over here, and her hands
2: moving on its own. yep <laughs> uh, What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I have the coolest wall up patron, honestly.
3: She doesn't even have to have an editor, and that's how it works.
2: Whoa. Um, cool. I, I feel some <laughs> anxiety creeping in real fast. <laughs>
3: So, biggest challenges in writing: finding the time to get it finished, and then um, feeling that it's finished, <laughs> and not wanting to go back yeah. over it again and again and again, and finally just saying, "Okay, I'm going to publish this thing," and then I'll, you know, I know it's not perfect, but it's it's perfect. It, nothing is ever it's not perfect,
2: perfect for me. but it's perfectly good.
3: Yes, exactly. Good enough. Well, I wouldn't want to say good <laughs> enough. It's just it's not perfect for me because I'll come back like two months later and think oh I should have added that to it and so I may go back in and add it to it or just leave it the way it is because it's still it's the adventures doing great and nobody's complaining about it so you know some things just, sometimes just want sometimes just want to leave things alone um keep it simple and uh let people do what they want to do with it
0: yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that <laughs> one thing uh that i've struggled with um and, and please share if this has happened to you. Um, I don't know if it was because it was my first foray into writing. I the first several months I the I was just spewing out my ideas and the longer it went, I was like, <laughs> I really should go write more of that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm done.
0: Like I yeah, I like <laughs> I don't know if maybe that's the what writer's block is where I was like, okay, I've got this done, but I don't really have no motivation to finish now. Sure, I've written like twelve thousand words, thirteen thousand words, but I probably should write more. Okay, now I'm up to twenty. Um Yeah, I'm gonna go do something I think else. I
3: think that's Kat, you want to have anything to say?
0: I hear deep breath. Down. Then I'll talk.
2: All done, all done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my laptop spontaneously muted itself for a few seconds there. That was super fun. <laughs> uh, no, I'm afraid I don't have anything to add to that very sensible point.
3: No, um, I'm, I'm the same way. I went through like two weeks where I couldn't. I knew I needed to work on something, but I couldn't. I just, it wasn't there. I just, could not sit down to write it and then mm-hmm. after after about two weeks you know i think my brain clears or i just get a another um burst of energy to write and so i sat down and i finished it but it just i think it just goes in spurts sometimes you'll be super motivated to write and then other times you're like um have an imposter syndrome um thinking what am i doing this for i can't right. i can't write um, my stuff's not any good. What are people? What are people buying my stuff for and saying it's good for? It's not, you know. And so you, you, I think you just I I go through that. I don't know about anybody oh, else.
2: I talk about yeah. I think um, I don't know anybody who doesn't go through that. It's a scary, it's hilarious. Thing. It's like a support group of fifty really talented writers going. I am well, I'm right. terrible. If it makes you feel better, Jeff, <laughs> you're horrible. Okay. Terrible. All I mean, right. either we're all terrible help? or we're all amazing, and I know which. Yeah, <laughs>
3: So you just gotta. What what I'm saying is, you just gotta hang in there. You know, let those let those couple of weeks go by, those few days go by, and then just sit back down and start typing. And I found that when I do get back and start typing, that it starts to flow a lot easier. um I get that joy back. There's the thing is too much work. And when you're working a full time job, and then you're coming Mm -hmm. home and writing and working another full time job, basically, you get burned out pretty quick. So you need those breaks.
2: This is why I try to have. Well, I try to have two or three projects on the go, but it usually ends up being more like seven or eight projects on the go because right I have real problems you. saying no to things, even when I have no time. Um, but then it always feels like you're cheating on the difficult adventure with the easy one that you really want to write. Right.
0: And that <laughs> it <helps>. is easy. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got the the
3: problem with saying no also, Kat. There's too many things I want to be involved in. When I hear that oh, there's idea... Too much like,
2: cool stuff going on. Oh, right.
3: Yeah, yeah, i be able to that. Yep. So.
1: I, I hear that. I get that too. When it comes to drawing, You get home from work, and I know I have stuff I got to draw up, and I look at my PC and it says, uh, "Drawing sounds a lot like Rocket League."
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you guys want to share with Crit Nation and the you know the listeners about writing uh, and adventure design in general? The uh, biggest hurdle is yourself.
3: As far as not right, not getting your adventure published, you have to put the time and effort in to do it. Um, and as far as a good tool to start with, pick up some something that you're wanting to write. If you want to write mechanical stuff, if you want to write adventures, if you want to um, draw maps, if you want to do layout design, you know, pick up something from the DM's Guild or Drive Through RPG that's similar to what you want to do. Review it, learn it, and see how they did it. You know, and look at the high, the higher rated stuff. Uh, to see how it's done right and how how it's done well, look at the discussions, the comments, see what people are saying. Oh, you should have done this, or this is awesome. Um, you did this perfectly. You know, do your research before you really jump in there and say, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do," and um, then you don't do it right,
2: right. What about you, Kat? See, I I totally have the opposite direction. When I put my first piece on DM's Guild, it was uh, Warlock Patron. The Hag is a Warlock Patron, and I refused to look at what anyone else had done. I thought that's only going to slow me down and make me doubt myself and make me second guess every word that I put on this page. So actually, there's something to be said for just throwing it out there, letting the community tell you what's going to add your work, and just keep iterating until you make something good.
0: And they will tell you. (laughs) they will tell you. (laughs) They'll tell you exactly what they think. Is this good? (laughs) No. I'll be right back. Nope. (laughs) Oh, man. We've seen that on the show where I reflavored an actual barbarian fighter multi-class, and I shared it with everyone. Second line, this is just a complete reflavor of this. And I got so many messages about how unbalanced it was, and I'm like, you stupid son of a bitch. Did you even read the first two lines? It literally says it's a barbarian fighter. (laughs) All you do is
4: multi-class. That's it.
0: <laughs> so people will find anything to bitch about. That's just life, unfortunately. Um, so when I posted this on twi- uh, Twitter and Facebook, I actually got a question that led to this this final question here. There's there's a lot of tools and stuff that you guys must use during your ad- uh, writing of your adventures. Is there a favorite tool or a particular set of tools you could recommend to somebody to who wants to write their write their first adventure?
2: D and D Beyond is writer's yeah. lifeblood, like Jeff said. I do like D and D
0: Beyond. The one thing I find is awesome is the, like the the highlights of stuff in there when you go over it and it automatically pops it up. Like if it's a condition or a feature or anything like that, I think that is hot yeah. as hell. And all you haters that say I'm not buying the book again, well, fine. You can keep flipping through pages and waste ten minutes of your DM's time. I buy both.
3: I buy the books and the D and D Beyond version. So me too. Um, it's it's just handy. I like I like hard copies. I learn better by reading through paper or through a hard copy. Um, but I like having the ease of use of the D and D Beyond piece. So
0: especially for reference. Uh, what do you guys publish on? Like, what do you? What do you write? I use
3: Word. I use Microsoft Word.
2: Oh, I like my InDesign.
3: Makes See, sense. I'm too old to know how to use InDesign.
0: <laughs> I tried
3: I'll InDesign. I couldn't figure it out. Everybody, because uh, I just I can't figure it out. It looks like an alien technology every time I open it.
0: That's how I know I was getting old. I looked at this shit. I was like, I'm going to go back to Publisher. I actually tried Scribus, though. That's pretty nice. It's a free one, too.
3: I'm able to make things look, I think, okay, using Word. Um, I think you do great. I would love, I would love to learn InDesign, <laughs> but I, it's just having so many projects... <laughs> You know, it's hard to learn how to take the time to do that. Now, if I ever go (laughs) full-time at this job, then I'll put some time towards learning that. um, Yeah. Word
2: is is perfectly good. Like, there's nothing that you can't do in Word. I just like InDesign because it's really good for integrating Mm -hmm. Photoshop, which is where I do all my fiddling with graphics um, because I can't afford original art. I have to play with stock art.
0: Alan Tucker's like I'm all so having Jeff. that connectivity
2: is really super helpful. <laughs>
0: and he uses InDesign. Yeah, that's funny. Um, <laughs> well, those are those. So yeah, InDesign I've noticed is one of the bah. bigger, bigger one, bigger ones that people use. And I did try try it. Um, and like Jeff said, might as well have been in an alien spaceship or written in hieroglyphics because. I couldn't figure it out, um, but I also don't have the time to figure it out. But um, I started recently using excribus which is just mm-hmm. as alien, but at least there's some, like, subtext for English under it. So I kind got, got the flow of it, but I think I'm going to go back to Microsoft uh, Publisher just because I'm done. Beneath. That just makes sense. It.
3: <laughs> now, it. There, there's also a brewery, I think, right? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Homebrew uh, brewery and uh, GM binder both. I think
3: GM binder, that's right. Yeah,
0: um,
3: and then Nathaniel Rue, I believe his name is, uh, has some templates on DM's Guild for how to, uh, I think, design templates for uh, InDesign in as well. So those are great tools if anybody's wanting to try to
2: use InDesign. Like I said, I just, I just don't have the time to try. a couple of pro- pro- uh, projects. <laughs> what I'm looking for programs. That's the word. Right. Well, uh, oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. Generally. Nathaniel's templates are really, really awesome. They're a great shortcut to making something that looks extremely good. So I yeah. definitely invest in those. I,
0: I can as a guy that doesn't know shit about InDesign, I actually bought his uh, his his like he had like a big package and <laughs> it actually was nice. I used it to make one of my stuff, but then I was like, this is still too much. <laughs> really was nice though. Um, I used it to make one of my class options. I don't remember what was the uh void walker, I believe. Anyway,
4: Actually, before we progress too far, in uh, chat, a couple of users did say that some of the resources he uses, like, I know we, we spoke spoke more on, like, uh, programs and other resources we use just now, but old Henny DK says when he's building encounters, he'll actually listen to a song for inspiration. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Sure.
4: Yep. And Chuckles is like he likes to get inspiration by browsing through Pinterest and the random images such on Google, and... That is great. Kind of touching on something that we've mentioned in the past, he'll buy packs of magic the gathering cards and we'll come up with ideas for stories from the artwork from those
0: too we really need to get yeah. on that yeah. I, I literally have a box set of cards waiting for us to open them and do a show That's we build an encounter by drawing magic cards and see what we can come up with so that's great
2: oh um, yeah i've always wanted to do something like that Yeah, I think it's, it it's just so cool and it's such a good way to get out of your like your box and your bad habits mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. And it might give me an excuse to buy more Keyforge cards, even though I'm like, <laughs> sure.
3: Right. Um, Regard, regarding, real quick, regarding the um, uh, songs, uh, inspired encounters, I, my first campaign for DD a couple years ago was all inspired by Metallica and Primus songs. Sanctarium! Oh. Yep. It was basically the master of puppets was the bad guy.
0: Oh, and, hell um, yes. I'm Yeah, it. That.
3: Was, it was a good time.
4: Now, think about that one time where I said, seeing thunderstruck during one of your
0: zombie encounters you <laughs> <laughs> bastard <laughs> you always break into the songs that are stuck in my head for the rest of the night
4: well to be fair we were fighting zombies during a thunderstorm yeah. and the chanting that you were starting to have them do was
0: similar to <laughs> well yeah it was going uh, uh. so that, i guess that was kind of my fault yep. um so i think that'll do it for our main topic today um I, uh, what a, a great topic. Thank you guys for sharing your, your experience and your font of knowledge. We really appreciate that. I've got a couple uh, things I'd like to send to, uh, our, 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 our fans to you. Um, Jeff has done a lot of fantastic work. We've give, been giving away his amazing content for some time. So I just want to say thank you so much for that. Um, additionally, when we move into the next giveaway, I'm going to say thank you for that as well. I sure. might even have you tell us about it, but um, in our show notes, you'll find a couple links to some of their content. Uh, Jeff's the the lair of the, how do you say that? It's a dragon name, but. Yep. That's the lair of Glockus. Glockus. That is yep. certainly not how I was going to say that. So I'm <laughs> glad I asked you. I read glucose. That's what I kept <laughs> coming up with. It's
2: not
4: the lair of it's glucose. The
2: sweetest dragon.
4: <laughs> I read the, the I read sugar it. dragon.
2: I read
0: Glacius. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's better. Than me. I, I couldn't <laughs> stop saying Glucose. That's why I left it to him. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that adventure? Yeah, it's uh, basically a kind of like an
3: introductory adventure for people. It's written so that it can be played with one person or multiple players. You get both versions whenever you buy it. Um, and the uh, hook of the adventure is you are um, – so there's this green dragon who's nesting and – in the forest, and there's also an orc tribe. And this village hires you to go um, destroy the green dragon's eggs, make it and implicate the orcs.
0: Okay? Oh, that sounds awesome!
3: But and they give you these fake orc feet so that you can make orc tracks in the cave uh, to make it look more like the orcs did it. Uh, and, That's awesome. and so to get to the cave you meet a uh, uh, li- uh, liaison of sorts that takes you through the, the caverns and everything to get to the, the secret entrance of the dragon's cave um, and it's it's just a fun adventure I think it's uh, it's one of my favorites actually
0: there's uh, some chat going on talking about the dragon of glucose where his breath attack gives you diabetes <laughs> <laughs> So if somebody, If somebody wants to run right in that, go ahead. <laughs> That's a gravy. That's for uh, you guys. Yeah, and you guys can do that. Of <laughs> course, we have a link to Eat the Rich. Uh, Kat, would you like to tell us a little bit more yes. about that? I, I Eat love Eat the this. Rich, which
2: ironically has nothing that I wrote in it, except an introduction. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't I, know I, that. I producer sure on that book, but Weren't it's still the a really cool book of 17 short one-shot adventures. Uh, for levels one to seventeen, where you can fight evil landlords and mean exploitative bosses and politicians with terrible haircuts, nudge <laughs> nudge, wink wink, um, and intervene in the blood diamond trade and break demonic contracts and free robots from their evil overlords. Oh, uh,
0: please tell me his thing—his hair comes off and chases you or something like a mad claw, crawling claw or something, because that would be awesome. It's a sequel. Oh, okay. Well, I want to. I would like to see that. So, did you? <laughs> did you curate
2: that, or you were heavily involved? In the, I curated. Yeah, that that's one. what I thought. Yeah, me oh. and my colleague Alicia Furness put okay. that one together.
1: His hairpiece is a uh, weird squirrel.
2: A <laughs> weird <Where's> squirrel. <laughs> well, we we'll be issuing that book in a couple of see?
4: <laughs> see, I can't tell which uh, country theater you're talking about.
0: That's the set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's two of them. <laughs> Wait, it's Twins. They clone that. So, uh, yeah, so definitely check those out. Please, if you do decide to pick them up, either use the link in the show notes or head on over to CritAcademy.com and click the DMs Guild below, uh, link there for our affiliate. Um, that being said, uh, that'll do it for our main topic today. Um, before we move on to our final segment, our owner Tips and Tricks, we have a wonderful gift to give away compliments to the, of the legendary Jeff Stevens, Stevens, Stevens. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about uh, Villains and Layers 2, Jeff? Sure.
3: I'll just read what's written here.
0: That's right. Revolution-
3: Revolutionize your game with this collection of twenty-eight villainous NPCs from Small Fry to World Ender, eight of which include maps and details of their layers, sinister side quests, terrifying overlords, bounties, one shots, and more lie in wait for you for you inside. That's Villains and Layers Two. Two, doo.
2: Kat, who is our winner today? Who is our lucky winner? Our lucky winner today is An- Anthony Andreotta. <laughs> <The> policy- <laughs>
0: Congratulations, Anthony. Um, If you uh, enjoy the product first, make sure to leave uh, a wonderful review uh, for Jeff Stevens. If you don't know, leaving reviews for DMs Guild content creators is one of the best things that you can do. It helps people right on the edge of making a decision. It can push them over the fence. Like it makes
3: people. It. it makes writers feel better too. Unless it's, <laughs> sure. unless it's one star with no review. Well, depending what you
0: write. Well, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I had somebody write do that, didn't they? They put one star yeah. review on our thing and it said, "Tell me what's fucking wrong with this? I can fix it."
1: It's like one star, no review. Fuck you guys. Uh,
0: but that's the only thing that's bringing it down. It's still so, it's a silver bestseller for a, a, a giveaway product for a pay what you want, and it's got one star that's stopping it from being a five star. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna fucking stab oh, that sucks. guy. Oh, I know. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> But if you didn't win, have no fear. Jeff Stevens has you covered. You can head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Jeff Stevens, and you can pick up Villain and Layers 3 for free. <laughs> so definitely do that. See, we include everyone. There's no losers here at the Critic Academy. <laughs> I didn't say nothing. Why'd you both look at me? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> all right, so congratulations. I actually looked at him. <laughs> Just a line you know. of losers. <laughs> that's true. Why yeah. are you guys even watching? Ian's on top. Fuck uh, you guys, <laughs> dude. I did find out we've been getting way more hits now that I started exporting these to YouTube. So let's hope that trend continues.
3: Hey, you guys were mentioned in an article, weren't you? We were. Yes. Like it took the my top nights.
0: ten DD podca- podcasts to listen to. Um, I wish that's what it said. It was. Uh, it was. Oh. To- yeah, it said. <laughs> it said top ten uh, podcasts. You should the top five.
4: Top five stable DD podcasts you should listen to, and five obscure ones you should listen to. Yes. Either way, you should be listening to
0: us. So if you're not, what the fuck?
4: We were on the obscure
0: list. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah, Yeah. this
2: time. Next time, who knows?
0: Right. We're coming for you, Critical Role. Challenge accepted. Yeah, right. We'll see. I'll I'll hang a
1: noose while I'm at it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so moving on to our unearthed (laughs) tips and tricks. I
3: fucking hate you, I'm gonna stab you. And now, <laughs> I'm, gonna, what I'm gonna beat you, you when my, be my drink. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where
1: we
0: bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Love this shit. So our character concept today is the spell thief. Uh, this was submitted by Amon Thomas on Facebook. The blade singer wizard multi classes into rogue or stealth, espionage, and similar features. They spend their nights and free time sneaking into other wizards' towers and homes and copying the spells that they've developed in their spellbooks. All this character wants is to learn as many spells as possible, and they fund the cost of materials by stealing shit while they're there. <laughs> What do you guys think about this uh, character concept?
3: This sounds like one of the players in my game.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did they make this just for me?
0: Right?
2: That's great. I love
3: the concept. It's fun. Yeah.
0: Straight into the point. I think this is cool because you could say, well, I want him to be an arcane trickster, but by going into uh, Wizard... Um specifically I envision like a Blade Singer who took a few just one or two levels into Thief just to get like the cunning action and the and the the small additional uh sneak attack dice. And fitting this together is this cause normally the way it works, correct me if I'm mistaken, you're when you're filling out your spell book, it's all that and during your long rest you're studying and you're researching to to learn quote unquote new spells. And this way you just flavored as, yeah, you went out and found some shit from other people that he stole.
4: If you really want to make people's heads explode, make them a Kender.
0: Ooh, nice. <laughs> I think though, as a DM, I would have a lot of fun with this because I totally would just have a wizard chasing them down because he stole a secret. Like, like let's say this fucker over here uh, did it and got banishment. Oh, that guy's coming back for blood. You done stole his secret, his secret work. Oh,
2: uh, yeah. see, I I would go full Johnny Mnemonic with it and like have have. Oh, Always, a thief absorbs some secret knowledge into his head.
0: Oh, that is cool. That
2: he does not want that's just going to fuck with him forever.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's great. The that music,
4: great the
2: music won't stop playing.
0: <laughs> there is no oh. music. Yes, there is. <laughs> I really like this concept, and I would love to personally run something like this. I think it would be very fun, and I think I could, as a DM, I could definitely <laughs> build an adventure focused just around this to really show off that that concept. So uh,
1: that, that would make. For a, a great consistent uh, battle. Uh, the wizard he stole from just keeps going back over and over and over again. And it turns out like uh, he stole his dog, and the wizard's name is John
4: Wickes. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: uh, that's savage. <laughs> um, I think that'll do it for our <laughs> character concept today. You know, this
4: actually makes me think of the meme of like, uh, I tried to steal from Z- a spell from Xathar, but didn't work.
0: My guy, Goldfish. His what? <laughs> <laughs> His goldfish. He's going to be Just pissed. Goldfish. Oh, man. Um, our monster variant of the podcast is the Rakasha Deadshot. Despite their bestial features, Rakashas are clever, malicious, and sophisticated.
1: Rakshasa.
0: I like that. Like, Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> uh, although, am uh, I saying that right? Is it Rakashas? Rakashas come in many uh, varieties. Rikshasa. Rakshasha, what? Rakshasa. Rakshasa. Rakshasha. Apparently, everyone knows how to say it, but me. Okay. So, although the ra raka- damn it, the rock. <laughs> what? I'm. Ca- no, what? I'm calling it what I what I've been calling. Rock. Sh. Asa. Rakshasa. God damn it. <laughs> Rock sauce? What? <laughs> <laughs> Although they come in many varieties, they all share some common traits, namely their feline heads, backwards claws, and I never noticed that by the way, until I was building this, that their hands are backwards, or their claws are backwards. Did you know that?
4: Yeah. Right, whatever.
0: <laughs> um, and they have a taste for luxury, which very sounds very much adventurer to me. Uh, they often conceal their true appearance, adopting whatever disguises serve them best. Now, um for you, uh, I know Jeff's been here, cat. When we do our monster variant, we basically take a stat block that already exists and we just give it a, a little bit of spin. Now this is less of a spin because it's a were tiger. and That's pretty damn close already. But, uh, we like to, uh, give a little, add a few features to give them a little more <clears throat> spunk. So in this case, uh, you're going to use the were tiger stat block. You're going to lose the features, uh, lycanthropy. You can't, can't spread it, because it's not a wear tiger and it doesn't shape-change, so you treat it in the stats as high board uh, hybrid and f- uh, treat it as a hybrid form only. No high regular board. human, no cat form. Now, that being said, we get all the cool features now. So, you're going to give it the Infernal Language, you're going to give it Innate spell casting, and then at will, it can cast disguise Self, and Minor Illusion that fits that rakshasa Say it. Rakshash- rakshasa. Rakshasa. Yeah. Um... <laughs> features, right? Because now it can disguise itself and it can create kind of illusion. That's kind of the thing they're going for. Additionally, twice a day they can do ensnaring strike, hail of thorns, and spike growth. You're going to replace its longbow with a a ghost arrow which is basically a ranged attack and when it hits somebody, they cannot spend hit die to recover HP for 24 hours on a failed save. that. Yeah. What do you guys think about this? If you're a wizard, you're fucked.
2: (laughs) Fair enough. Accurate.
0: <laughs> could you, uh, could I like you, it. Could you guys see yourself running something like this? Yep. Yeah? Sure. Yeah.
2: How would you get yeah, the... Yeah, I would totally throw this into an adventure.
0: How would you get the most out of something like this? Oh, my God. Because I, I envision him, since they're very much uh, lucrative type of creatures, I totally would see him being the person that hires a the group of adventurers and then tries to uh, hunt and steal from them, because you know adventurers are very wealthy, right? So you hire him, go do this job, and then he hunts them predator style.
2: The dude's a yeah, I, I would make the Rakshasa their guide.
0: He's got oh. that cool.
2: He's got that cool disguise self. That's so. True. I would put this in the Demon Wastes in Eberron because Eberron Rakshasas are the coolest Rakshasas. You're not wrong. Waiting for Alan to agree from the chat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Are you using them as a uh, escort?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Quote unquote, he's exactly. actually. I would have, there to, this, assess I would
2: have to, to hire them. Take them to some ancient uh, demon-infested temple in the Demon Wastes. Let the adventurers do the hard work of clearing it out. Then turn on them. Oh, I, I love that. that treasure. What if
0: they're in the final chamber and fighting a mob and then the spike growth just comes out of nowhere and exactly. they're, they're snaring and snaring strike and catches them followed by hail of thorns? They are fucked.
1: Or what if you have to escort a VIP and they get shot by one of his ghost arrows, right? The VIP does. And it just makes it that much harder to keep them alive because they can't
0: be healed. Ooh. Well, technically, that's, that's that's savage. I like that. That hurt. So, all right. I I personally like this monster. I love giving my monsters unique features that all bend together. And the spike growth plus the snaring strike and hail of thorns really fits a, ve- a specific type of theme. Um, and I love the disguise self. Them being the guy, that sounds awesome. Kudos to you guys. Is there anything else on this uh this monster variant? The Rakshasa. Ah, deadshot. Hey. <laughs> I like
3: you know, D and D Beyond
0: has a. Uh,
3: Thing where you can click on the name of the monster and you get uh, the pronunciation.
0: <laughs> Do you work for D and D Beyond? No, I don't. Are you sure? But I'm just yeah. <laughs> I'm if kidding. they want to hire me, I'm certainly open <laughs> for that. <laughs> I I'm love just D&D showing D&D you Bi. more of the kudos of the, so uh, does, the cool stuff of D and D Beyond. When you press it, does it like announce it, or is it just got the the the, the, the is it the phonetic uh, pronunciation? Phonetic? Yeah.
3: No, it, it pronounces yeah. it. That's cool. Press it. Yeah. I don't know if you could hear it in my, in my headphones though.
0: Nope. Did you hear it? Okay, I thought for sure it would come through. That's all right. That's all right. Okay. Nope, put it back in.
2: Go ahead. (laughs) That sounded dirty.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, that's very cool. That'll do it for our monster variant. Our encounter of the podcast comes from Kat Evans. Kat, would you tell us about our encounter?
2: Oh man, what did I say I was going to talk about here? Um, <laughs> I yeah, don't remember.
0: So... You threw you threw my idea under the bus, so...
2: Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> here's, here's my um, idea. That's shit. So I want to talk about an adventure that I've... An encounter that I've just written for Jeff, actually, which is for the upcoming Underdark book. This is where Jeff mm. looks at me and goes, Oh shit, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to... This kind of speaks back to a lot of things that I've talked about in the last hour. So it's all about the NPCs it's all about like a cool visual location and also there is no concept of balance in this whatsoever (laughs) (laughs) so i've i've set up an encounter which is largely a role-playing encounter but there's lots and lots of opportunities for it to go sideways and turn into skill challenges and turn into pretty brutal (gasps) combat actually and if it does it will probably kill you you just Um, said my favorite words Skill challenge. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Makes me trigger. I'm like the doughboy when somebody says, like, touches his belly. Skill (gasps) challenge. Skill challenge.
2: Sorry. Good. Yeah, I love it. Good. So I've set up an encounter that's a negotiation between a group of High Elves and a group of Underdark Drow. Uh, negotiated by a priestess of illustry with the player characters brought in as bodyguards for the priestess and your job essentially is to stop these characters interpersonal drama flaring up and turning into duels and poisonings and assassination attempts and generally stop the fact that they're all terrible people on both (laughs) sides of this debate from wrecking the negotiations
0: oh that sounds savage so the, so this sounds like the player's like persuasion and, and uh, deception is really going to be critical in
2: this. Uh, persuasion, deception, insight, also a certain amount of intimidation. But there's a lot of stuff that you won't just get from skills. You've got to put the time in and talk to all of these NPCs and discover their little ulterior motives and find out who you can get on side, who you need to keep apart. And it's not always as obvious as it seems. Or that you can blackmail
0: and leverage or that, that against blackmail. them. I like that. Several
2: opportunities for that.
0: To me, this sounds like a great opportunity for somebody with the the forgery kit. Um, I think you could have a lot of fun forging documents written from one
2: person to another to get them to to think the way you want. You absolutely could. You oh. absolutely could. Or if you've got players with an agenda of their own, they could ruin things in a hot second. Oh man! And that's a lot of fun to do as well.
0: You totally, as a DM, you could figure if you work figured out like the backstory of the 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 if you know the backstory of the players, find a way to tie it. To one of the the people who probably don't exactly agree with the the players putting them at odds, but something they need.
2: Or if you really mean you tie in the backstories from two players and make them sort out their own differences as well as the the album. Oh, I love that.
0: <laughs> that sounds awesome. Which book is this can't, coming out?
3: It's <laughs> going to be uh, Encounters in the Savage Underdark. It's going to be out in February.
0: <sighs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> Raven and Zorax. <laughs> what do you what, what, what do you think about this encounter there, Jeff?
3: Well, I don't know. I don't know if it'll make the book or not. No, Ken did, <laughs> did a great job yeah. of, of uh, building this encounter and keeping it concise enough to fit within like a certain amount of pages, and not go overboard as far as descriptions and everything. So it's really it's it's written really well. So I'm excited to have it in the book.
0: Yeah, it sounds awesome. I love stuff like that where the players' um, backstory and skills and motivations flaws and ideas, because those are really gonna come through. Especially if one of the players has a flaw that just inir- irritates the hell out of one of the other NPCs.
2: Oh just- heck yeah. <laughs> and some of them are very, very short tempered and thin skinned NPCs. Oh I bet. <laughs> you can't be friends with everyone. No. Yeah. Give one specially
0: tiny hands maybe? I would love that. Oh <laughs> uh, sir, how are you gonna hold that sword? <laughs> Let me draws his blade on you. Um uh, we Do not ha- Do we have a name for this encounter? Do you have a name for this encounter?
2: It is called Far From Moonlight. Ooh. Sounds
1: <laughs> I was going to awesome. call it Friendly Neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> friendly
0: Fire. <laughs> I think that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast. Kat, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, our <sighs> magic item of the podcast is called the Shroud of Renewal. Brandon, would you like to tell us about it?
1: Yes, I would. <laughs> thank you. The Shroud of Renewal is a wondrous item. It is uncommon. The Silk White Gossamer Shroud wards off the touch of death, reinforcing the strength of a dying creature. Devout followers of Lathander... That's right, right?
0: Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> just find okay, this stuff. Okay, Raks-
1: Rakshasa. Oh, you. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, devout followers of Lathander I believe this was the Shroud that was used to wrap his Firstborn in for protection. You can use an action to place the shroud over a dying creature. That creature has advantage on death saving throws. Additionally, while covered by the shroud, any critical hit against the creature becomes a normal one.
0: Nice. What do you guys think about this? That bad, huh? No. <laughs> it was like crickets. I'm no, like, oh, I'm, I'm, just, a sock. I'm just reading it over again.
1: You think it should like have maybe a, a limit to how, can, how often can it can be done?
0: I don't know. Did your bag of holding have a limit on how much shit you can toss? Actually, yes. it does.
3: <laughs> you son <sum> of <laughs> a bitch. I, I think it's a nice flavor piece um, to, to be able to you know put the shroud over a dying creature and give them advantages on their saving throws. Uh, but it death saves, it doesn't mean it's going to save them right. because they'll die. But I think it's a nice flavor piece.
2: Yeah. I, I would make it a bonus action. Because by making it an action it's kinda of ah. like, Well, why don't I just force a potion down their throat or why don't right. I just throw a healing spell at them? But as a bonus action, it's a really, really nice That's a good point. There you or go.
3: I fix it. You can use your you can use your reaction if you start dying <laughs> to put it over <laughs> you because there's a lot of times where the other players or characters
0: will not heal you when they should sure. be. Oh, I totally want to change this into uh, a <laughs> blanket of renewal. Now you can hide under your blanket to protect yourself. Yep. Oh that, <laughs> that is, is
3: awesome. Like, I'm when you, you receive other uh, hit points as a reaction, you can do this one last thing.
0: I love that. I'm going to add a comment in here and redo the... Uh, oh, I'm dying. I'm going to put this
1: blanket on. Why are you doing that? Because you
0: fuckers ain't not going to heal me. <laughs> I'm going to redo that. I think I, that would be awesome as a reaction. I had already changed it to I bonus action. I think Because I already was, but like, oh, uh, I got a reaction, right? Are you going to use shield? Fuck no, I'm hiding under my blanket. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you. What's cool is you could really. T- if this is like, uh, if this is something your character has for a long time, maybe he gets it etched with like his family sigil or his deity, so they protect him. I don't know. I'm it's initials. Kind of... <gasps> Wear like a cape. Oh my there god! Initials man. on what there. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, underneath his by a happy place. <laughs> <laughs> this Except is. A... it has to be like have teddy bears or something all over it. So, do you think sh- it would still be uncommon if you made it a reaction as opposed to an action? Would that push it up a rarity? Eh, maybe not. I don't think so. Yeah.
2: Anyways, <laughs> yeah, for, what it, for what it does, yeah. <laughs> not if, too far off. Just like gentle repose. So yeah. gentle repose. Make,
1: make it a cursed item, so if it gets okay. stolen, they have disadvantage with <gasps> them saves. Because oh, they're, no. <laughs> <'cause> they're so <laughs> sad. <laughs> <That's laughs>
2: no, if it's stolen, you just can't get a long rest. Oh
0: no, <laughs> that's bad. Um, this <sighs> is a real simple item, but it's something I. I've apparently killed a lot of my players, because one constantly brings it up, so uh, maybe I should stop (laughs) killing people. (laughs) Disintegrate a guy one time. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sniper? No, it was uh, Disintegration Ray, a guy three times. I mean, (laughs) come on.
1: Remember the first game I played with you, I died in ten minutes? (laughs)
0: That was your fault. Yeah, it was. So I don't want to hear it. All right, I think that'll do it for our <laughs> magic item, the I baby th- blanket of renewal. I don't think you've ever actually killed me yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not for a lack of trying. <laughs> no, it's because you fucking play so cleverly. Like I can't I can't kill this bastard, even if I wanted to. Not that I play against my players. <laughs> so, I'm all for them secretly winning. it's like about Austin. It's like you never do you deal want damage us to, 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 to try? me. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> No, I do kill people. Like, unfortunately, the person I kill the most just died due to poor decisions. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Sorry, Matt, you do. <laughs> I once escaped a situation by diving into a gray ooze. Oh
0: yeah, did you guys ever play the haunt? <laughs> this- yeah, I played that uh, at, at the Halloween. It. I have- Played it. the, the, it's got this little the little Chucky doll girl, and um, yep. it, I, I I like to play it where she crawls up on your body and like latches onto you and runs around up and down to escape. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, "Fuck this!" and he jumped into a gelatinous cube
2: so it would burn her off. <laughs> it worked. So, well, I would have done the same.
3: <laughs> that adventure is a good example of box text of necessary yes. box
2: text. Yes, I would
0: agree.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it really sets the, the mood, yep. and so, I don't know. that's really good. Um, Moving on to our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast, integrate NPCs with the PCs. When you're setting up a game story, you want your players to engage with the story as much as possible. So you want them to care, and integrating their characters with the the people of the world is a great way to do that. The best stories always come out from the interplay between uh, both sides of the screen, and that starts on the DM's end. And you guys have actually touched on how important NPCs are uh previously in the episode man i'm really liking all these throwbacks to the beginning um but uh callbacks i think is what that's called in 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 easter eggs when you can tie these to the the pcs directly i think in the the starting set it does it really well i think with the rogue and the red brands um the rogue is directly tied to the red the, the red brands because they're like ant kidnaps them or something like that so there's a direct you know confrontation there um what do you what do you guys think about this this dungeon master tip
3: I just did this with my um, Scourge of the Nightingale, A Song of War. Uh, Within that that adventure, you're traveling with a bunch of uh, Red Plume recruits. And each of those recruits is an NPC block or a, a summary and what they want and why they're there. And so they see the adventures as um, someone to learn from. And so these recruits go up and start talking to them. Like, you know, there's a thief who wants to learn how to pick locks, um, a druid who, who doesn't know that she's a druid, but has always been attached to animals and wants to learn um, more druid stuff. And so may may approach a ranger or a druid. And so there's, they're establishing these bonds on this way to the, a large war. Um and so it's it's trying to get the characters involved with the NPCs so that when they get to the final battle, they're worried about the NPCs.
0: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Another great way to do that if you have a group that's really comfortable with role playing is to uh, is to introduce these characters and then get your players to tell you something about that NPC. Exactly. So this is this is your friend, Steve. Um, tell me one cool thing about Steve. And then they have a little bit of a sense of ownership and then they care. Steve can juggle.
0: You're getting ahead of us. Our <laughs> next episode is all about uh, including uh, storytelling uh, is not just the DM's job. So that's that's a really nice uh, – I like that. Really fits in well because that's something I've done a lot. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm – I'm not a very well-prepared DM. Like I have – a beginning middle and end and that's pretty much it so it, when i run my adventures i constantly rely on the players to build that stuff for me and that's going to come up a lot in next week's yeah. discussion but it, hey i want to walk in i want to go see the armor all right who is it what is it a dwarf uh no it's a halfling okay what's his name you know and I in yep. in describe having them describe that gives them a bigger connection build build to the completely yeah so yep. I really like that I got a whole episode planned for that because <laughs> I'm a big fan of that and that's how I make my <laughs> life <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you know so look at the NPCs uh, that are important to the story and imagine how you can uh, you know. Introduce them to the characters, because, or uh, tie them to the characters, because if an NPC you introduce in the story is just some random stranger in a tavern, it's far less impactful than uh, an NPC as like a mentor, or relative. You know, it doesn't have to be a villain directly, right? Like uh, you mentioned the 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 druid and trainer and stuff. You know, when they when they are tied to him, if somebody, if if Willie comes up and asks, you know, Brandon for help, Brandon. Tell me about Willie and why how you've known him for 10 years and what's important to him. You know, that becomes more important because he now has more reason to actually give a damn. We used to be fishermen. Yeah. We were best buds. Uh, yeah, you know why he doesn't fit? That's why he's lost his left hand. Yes,
1: there was a horrible mooring accident where the mooring line snapped and took his arm off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, and was it your fault to play a character? Was it?
0: I did Always. tie it too tight.
2: There you go. And it was a high tide. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's why you send part of your earnings to him to, So, he, since he can't farm or anything. Or barely even fish anymore. Right. Um, I, and the NPCs,
1: they can leave the impact.
0: Yeah. They, they can't, like,
1: uh, again, with Rezo. Poor Rezo. I had Austin up, tearing up. I had you tearing up, I think, too. Oh,
4: I want to cry And he's just...
1: He... He was a kanku who was either meant to be arrested or killed. And they he was like, oh, you're going to come with us. You're be your be best pal. <laughs> and they grew attached to him. It was like, I'm going to fuck him up Watch this. <laughs>
0: I hate you. <laughs> Rest in peace, Russell. Anyways, do you have any <laughs> other points on this, integrating your NPCs with the PCs? No. Um, I actually just thought of one. This is, if you like to use the factions, this is a great way to do that. Um, Tying the factions into the the PCs, they should have a direct... Talk contact like if you're doing the uh, uh, I can't even think of one of the stupid what is the factions names the Harper's maybe a Harper uh, person uh, becomes an important NPC because they're constantly giving you work to do Um, that's a good way to do that so get use out of those anyway because I know some people don't like to use those but they're really cool Mm-hmm. Uh, also i ran the red plumes uh there jeff <laughs> and uh those are some racist bastards and i had not had more fun running an adventure and making my players hate my effing guts than i did running that those red Plume adventures oh it was so so much fun to terrorize them as and just be mean to them. of course when your players Wait, we, we
2: like, have a red plume adventure and eat the rich as well
0: oh that sounds awesome and they, they douchebag <laughs> well that would fit to yeah i was gonna of say they're gonna, they're gonna fit that 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 My red plumes
3: aren't assholes. Oh,
0: (laughs) shame. They're new recruits that are learning, so... Well, they're learning to become assholes, then. They could be, yes. (laughs) What if you did an adventure where the players sign up to be red plumes, and then they realize how shitty they are? (laughs) Then you players have to make a lot of moral decisions. (gasps) I love it. (laughs) I'm bad. I'm gonna rot in the nine hells. Uh, That'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Our player tip of the podcast is...
2: Don't be, a dick.
0: Don't be a dick. Good. I like he tried. That's all that matters. <laughs> 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 um,. And you can avoid dickitude by using personal totems. Adventures ten, adventurers tend to travel light, carrying little in the way of personal effects or other unnecessary gear. Uh, a few possessions they do carry often include small items that have some sort of special uh, significance. A personal totem is significant because it has some sort of mystical origin or is tied to an important moment in that character's life. Perhaps a remembrance from their past or a harbinger of what lies ahead. Um... When I think about this I, I used to love a game called uh Fuck. That's a fun game. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> Legends of Dragoon. <laughs> and one of the main characters he had was called his father's memento that turned out to be this fucking thing that turned him into a flying power ranger but um <laughs> throughout the whole yeah, story like you told on to that. Yeah, well he didn't know that. <laughs> flying power ranger. It, it just happened one day when he got really emotional <laughs> but uh um, to me, that that was something that kept coming up through the story, and it had significance. But as a, the player, I didn't know what. Um, so I think tying something like that to your player characters is important. We've seen people do it with like swords and armor pieces that have been inherited, but you can really do it with anything down to a tiny little trinket. Well, what do you guys think about this?
2: Yeah, this is baked into some of the backgrounds, even in the player's mm-hmm. guide, right? Yep, so absolutely. your mercenary gets a cool little um, memorial of their old regiment. Um, the hermit gets something weird as well i think yeah, the noble and gets the I cool love, uh, ring the dupe yeah. ring
0: or whatever
2: touches so yeah i love having all of these little touches they're just great way- great things for a dm to build a story off and actually the nice ways to, com- to connect to other player characters as well oh yeah Expect- like if you've got an oh. item in common or you both have different associations with you know the mm. family's magic sword or something yeah
3: i like that what do you think jeff I like it, too. I mean, it's a great way to add the backstory Backstory to the character. Also, it's a fun little thing that if you uh, have a thief steal one of these possessions and um, run off with it, then it's an adventure right there.
0: Yes. Uh, I have done said thing, and that is awesome. Especially when it's something that they uh, tie into their um, their mannerisms. Like a coin that they flint between their knuckles that got stolen. <laughs> the, yes. When a rogue gets stolen from... He's not a happy rogue. He's going to fuck up some shit. (laughs) He's pissed. So uh, and it just turned out to be a little trinket that for a long time didn't have no importance. And I was like, I wonder what happened if I took that. (laughs) And I did. And a whole quest broke from that. So they're, they're really, really great, especially when the players actually go out of their way to tell how important they are. Like the cleric with the shield of his deity that he's like, I hold up the shield of Bahamut over and over and over till his shield rusts from a rust monster what's he gonna hold up now I guess that's a little more mechanical mechanical problem now but But you can have a
1: you can have a character that has a flask but they never use it and it's always sealed until one day it's stolen the player just gets hell bent on finding whoever it is and they murder them just horrifyingly and they're like why it's just a flask and when they open it it says it's got my mother and father's ashes in it oh
0: snap I love that (laughs) why are you carrying around your mother and father's ashes that's a little a, weird.
1: Why would that be weird? If you don't have a home.
2: <laughs> oh, this is, this is whole off-camera discussion, isn't it? Yes, it, it whole is. whole
1: off-camera discussion. <laughs>
2: yeah, all right. So, moving
0: on. <laughs> uh, do we have any other points on this topic? No? Nope. I love it. Hey, look at that. We're going to end without being late. That's fantastic. It probably would have been sooner if we didn't have so many damn problems. Fuck you, go Lightstream. Uh... That'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. Damn it, Ian. <laughs> you let me down, man.
1: Why are you looking at a picture of blue bananas?
0: I have no idea. At least it's not... <laughs> half the time, there's half-naked chicks when I look over there. I'm wondering what I he's... I think that's why you're looking over there. Huh? Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't checking out your big bananas, okay? But anyways. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, include personal totems for your characters tie them into your backstory to tie them into your mannerisms they can really give your bring your character to life and it doesn't even have to be something you constantly are reminded of just hey i'm he's sitting there during lunch and flipping his coin or whatever so um i think that'll do it for our show today um two things before we close out first of all huge thank you to new york tater he donated 40 dollars for us to give away for christmas So I'm really excited. Uh, We'll have to talk about how we want to do that. But I think it would only be appropriate if it was $40 to like – or maybe we do one big 40 or maybe we break it down to 10 and give it away for DMs Guild. Yeah. You You, you can do that, right? You can send coupons to people I think or um, like gift cards. Yes, you can.
3: Gift certificates, yep.
0: So we'll figure out the logistics of that because he just sent that earlier, and I meant to be saying it earlier, but I honestly – uh, that's right. But I was
1: going to say he was throwing some money on us like a bunch of cheap
0: hookers. Yeah, he's just like fucking making it rain on us. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then, of course, uh, before we, we close out, do you uh. guys want to give yourselves one more plug? Who, tell people where they can find you if they want to check out your stuff and how where can they follow you? Kat, would you like to go first?
2: Yeah, so I only really exist on Twitter, which makes me really easy to find. I am at Perpetual Gloom on Twitter because I am a '90s Goth kid at heart and always will be. And most of my writing's on the DMs Guild. You can find Eat the Rich. You can find a bunch of uh, dark and grim horror stories, including a collection of Christmas ghost stories for Ravenloft Gothic Earth.
3: Oh, I love that. Cat's been busy. Yeah, of, she's yeah. been doing
0: a lot of stuff. So.
2: Cat doesn't know how to sleep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I slept once. But sleep? Yeah. It was boring. What about you, Jeff?
3: Uh, I'm most active on Twitter uh, at, at j.corvin.stevens. Or <laughs> what? At j.corvin.stevens. Um, I also uh, just opened a website. It's JeffStevensGames.com, which I think has links to my Facebook and Twitter on there as well, and you can just check it out if you'd like to. And uh, most of my publications are on the DMs Guild as well. Check out Happy Jack's Taver- uh, Happy. Getting all everything confused. Happy Jack's Fun House, Dragon's Breath Tavern, um, and I'm working on love Encounters it. in the Savage Underdark, and a couple other projects that I can't quite release yet. But
0: yeah. I love, I love, I honestly, dude, I love your adventures. The what is the the, the midnight, the one with the 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 traveling band, and, and you get the players got to jump on stage, man. That one. Is, oh, that's like, the night of the rise. Oh, I have so much fun with that one. That was so good stuff. <laughs> I love, I love running that adventure. That's yeah, it's so pretty fun. awesome um so that'll do it for our show today please join us next week we'll be discussing player storytelling storytelling is the dm's job no no although this is commonly held belief it couldn't be further from the truth and we cannot wait to talk about it because honestly uh i have a lot of experience with this because i'm fucking lazy pure and simple like that's it beginning middle end you guys fill in the rest or the quote the meme well, yes,
4: but actually no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, if you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at CritAcademy at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, CritAcademy. Um <sighs>
1: oh, my God. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. Ooh. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star my, my review on iTunes or your platform of choice. Would you shut the fuck up?
0: No. I've missed
1: you. Or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show. (laughs) Our show may not be suitable for young children. Also be sure to give us a like and a share.
0: Yes, definitely do that. If you'd like to support us, there are many ways to do that. You can support us on Patreon.com. Every dollar goes to making the show better. Um,
1: We need a lot of that.
0: And now would be a good time to... (laughs) Yeah, right. right. Uh, now would be a good time. I am going to be doing a special giveaway to all my patrons. I wrote another character option that I'm not releasing for quite some time. And it is called the Blade <laughs> Dancer and it is finished. And this week I will be sending that out to all my patrons uh, of all uh, levels. So I'm really excited for that. Um, you can, of course, purchase our DMs Guild products. We have a lot. Everything is now officially a bestseller. Um, several, nice. several have hit silver. I'm still waiting to get to that next level up, but, uh, I'm very get happy it. with the performance. So thank all of Crit Nation who continues to buy the crap that I make. Um, that being said, fantastic terrain, environmental effects that help and hinder your players or your heroes, uh, will be releasing this week. I am targeting a release date of Friday. Let's hope I stick to it. <laughs> so definitely keep an eye out for that i am super excited a lot of work has gone into this so i cannot wait i'm
3: excited to check it out too just hearing you talk about it's really been inspiring and i can't wait to see what you do with it
0: yeah and all the a lot of the art comes from patrick Pullen. he is effing amazing it is beautiful so i'm super excited um yeah you can also uh yeah that that'll do it uh Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com, follow us on twitch.tv slash Academy, and subscribe on YouTube so we can help you on your future adventures as well as be entered to win cool prizes each and every single week. Yay. Also make sure to check out our Crit Nation Fellowship members. If you've not checked out Interparty Conflict, Gabe and Jeff do a phenomenal job answering your questions and no bullshit. Wow. They do have bullshit, but it's more professional bullshit than our bullshit. A <laughs> lot well, say, good stuff. Fuck it, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, once again i want to thank you both so much for coming on i know it's got to be early in the morning for you kat um yeah. so thank you guys so much for joining us it's
2: been fun it's been a lot of fun well i talking to you again kat yes Cat
0: and i had the chance to meet at Hole con in wisconsin
3: um a few months ago and it was great
2: yeah it was really cool i feel also, like jeff is generous with the swag so i got a jeff stevens games t-shirt oh that's nice <laughs> yeah he- I knew
0: Jeff always had a lot of swagger. That's nice.
2: What's swag. not swagger?
0: It's
3: swag. <laughs> swag. Swag.
0: Oh, sorry. Are those different. Swag. Yes. <laughs> I told you I'm terrible at English. So, we'll each sign off. I'll go, and then Cat, and then Jeff, and then the minions. Don't you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I am your host,
2: Justin, and I'm your disembodied voice guest, Cat Evans,
3: and I'm your guest, Jeff Stevens.
2: I'm your co-host Ian, and I'm
4: your Manian Brandon.
0: There's, there's, Yes, thanks for listening. Keep your blade sharp and spells, spells prepared, prepared, heroes. heroes you motherfucker! <laughs> Welcome back, Brandon. <laughs> no, Yay! get the fuck get out of here, dickwad. <laughs> <laughs>